Hello everyone, my name is Matt McKeithen and this is my channel, You're Kind of Happy. Uh, today I want to talk about uh, marriage and, you know, marriage is a huge, huge um, area of most people's life when they get married and we have these skyrocketing divorce rates that are well over 50% now. So at least in the westernized culture, I know it's like different in India and other cultures, but here, you know, in the United States, like you're more likely to get divorced than you are to stay married. And that's a huge, huge problem. And so we need to figure out how to address this issue so it kind of goes away. And what I've noticed from working with hundreds and hundreds of couples and couples counseling is that like there are these fundamental things that um, if you're not intentionally doing and learning, they don't come naturally. And if you, they're not in place, your marriage is is you know, I could doom forecast it all day. It's not looking good. And so I kind of want to go over those things. Like what are these five keys that would unlock a healthy marriage? And I use key because it means, you know, it takes effort to turn it. You know, you have to actually apply it and turn it. So effort is probably the number one thing that is contributing to couples who actually get better. They're trying to learn things and they adopt that mindset like, hey, this is a daily thing. But at the same time, this marriage is you know, this is my number one support system in life. This is the person that knows me the best, right? So for me, like for my marriage, for example, it's like God is my foundation of my marriage. And my wife are on the same page about that. Like God comes first. But then, you know, with any building or structure, let's say a temple, you know, you put your foundation, but then you have your pillars, right? The pillars are the marriage. That's like the marriage and, and what we do to maintain our marriage and keep it strong. So then it can support the weight of everything else in life, you know, the roof and all that. And that's like your kids, you know, your finances, your responsibilities, all of that. So if your pillars are weak, right, that, that temple's not going to last long. It's going to crumble. And so uh, today I want to talk about the pillars. You know, there's like five keys that I want to go over with you. And the last one is really, really, really important. I believe it's probably the most fundamental uh, or found, sorry, foundational of all of these, which is really good. Um, so the first thing is is probably just you know establishing boundaries, you know setting up boundaries from the get go, and it's never too late to set boundaries. I love this um, this pro this Chinese proverb, right? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. So it's never too late to establish boundaries, but we have to communicate, which I'll I'll get into that in just a second, um, but. The uh, some of the boundaries that you want to establish, right, is like what kind of marriage do I want? You know, do we want an egalitarian relationship or do we want more of a traditional relationship where there's a matriarch or patriarch? You know, where dad runs the show, mom runs the show. Some cultures want that. Some some spouses want that. And that's okay, but you know, you have to kind of agree on what that looks like for your marriage. And then if it's egalitarian, you have to agree on what that looks like in your marriage. And then set the expectation that. You know, a, a egalitarian marriage, like where things are kind of uh, mutually decided upon and equal, we have to learn what's called compromise, you know, and like compromises, it's not 50-50, hardly ever is 50-50, it's usually 60-40, 70-30, and so, you know, compromises, I'm, I'm, we're both leaving a little unhappy and not getting everything we want, that's how we know we compromised. And so, um, establishing those boundaries might look like, you know, hey, uh, who's going to handle the finances? You know, someone should handle the finances. Dave Ramsey always says there's always a free spirit and a nerd in, in a marriage, right? You know, a spender and a saver. So perhaps maybe the saver is the best person to, to, to manage the money coming in and the money going out. Someone needs to manage the finances so there's not arguments and fights and that they can update the other person and stay in the loop. But at the same time, 
you know, big decisions. You know, are we going to make those together? Like the, a purchase of an automobile or, you know, adopting a child or, or buying a, a first home. Like those are huge, huge decisions that we need to make um, together, you know, um, because they directly affect both both people. Boundaries also might be th simpler things like who's doing the dishes around the house? You know, who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to take care of that primarily? Because what you want to avoid is the belief that um, I do everything and my partner does nothing. You know, I'm doing all the dishes. I hardly ever do any of the dishes. And, and what they found is that the perception is usually off. You know, um, sometimes there's we, we underestimate the amount of dishes that are done during the day and the amount of laundry that's needed to be done. And if we're dividing the labor up, sometimes we can feel like we're doing primarily that. But one way that you can offset this issue, let's just say like um, if we had a box to check, my wife and I would probably agree that she primarily does the laundry and the dishes, right? Um, she's a stay-at-home mom, but she also is a health coach and she uh, homeschools her children, so she works full-time as well. So um, I offset that by handling the breakfast and the dishes after breakfast. Um, I, whenever I notice that there's laundry on the bed or that there's dishes in the sink, you know, and I have, I have a couple moments to spare, I just knock it out. I knock it out because it shows her that I care about her and I'm not, I don't believe that, you know, everything is her job and it's not so clearly divided. Like you will do these things. It's, it's contributing daily throughout the day to make my partner's life easier in wherever, whatever moments I can, you know, and that's where the element of reciprocity comes in. Any relationship requires reciprocity. Think of any healthy relationship you've ever had, right? You would get something from the person and then you would give something back. You know, think of a mother and a baby, right? The mother is fulfilled from the baby's light and their presence and their life and their giggle and their smile and their love for that mother, but the mother also provides, you know, nurturance and, and, and milk and support and love and warmth and, and care. That's a, a, you know, a reciprocal relationship where there's reciprocity. Relationships can't work without that. So when we establish these boundaries and we go over all these different things, it's like, hey, you know, um, how do we feel with boundaries with, you know, friends of the opposite sex? How do we feel with, you know, uh, religious orientation and where we're going to go to church or how often we're going to go? How do we feel about, you know, um, self-care time and, and taking care of that? Are we going to make that a priority? How do we feel about date nights and how often we're going to do those things? So these are all like kind of rules for engagement, things that you're establishing in the relationship that you may not have talked about that you need to. And so then the other thing that I want to talk about is number three would be another key is daily check-in, you know, checking in with your partner daily. I like to call it a daily plug-in, you know, because like think about your iPhone, right? If you, if you don't have it near a power source at all throughout the day, it's just going to drain, right? And so doesn't it make sense like when you get home from a busy day or you haven't seen your partner in a while and you, you reconnect that we plug in? to our partner, we plug in, we, we check in with them so that we can get refilled. Like they're our number one resource system. So we have to show them that they're the priority. Um, daily check-ins show that we care about our partner and their life and we want to see the world from their perspective. Well, we do this by, it doesn't even take long, you know, 10, 15 minutes is all it takes sometimes just to check in and ask questions about their day, ask follow-up questions about what their answers are. There's nothing more that there's nothing that shows your involvement in a conversation more than asking follow-up questions to something else somebody said. So it just shows interest. It shows care. It shows that you 
you, you see them, you want to know them. And so that draws your partner close because you can handle the weight of everything else if you're both feeling united and close. And a daily check-in is something that must be done. Now, it could be a daily check-in at bedtime before you go to bed. I would, would I think it's probably better earlier in the day if you can swing it just because you know, um, you're tired. Um, but in the morning is a good time. Just, just checking in with your partner that involves eye contact, touch, and questions. You know, really, really important. It's a service. It's not a, I'm getting, I want to tell them all about my day. It's a service. And you both do that. Then you do get to tell about your day, but, uh, you have to provide, you have to give. And so people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. So we want to really show that we care daily. Um, so that's really, really important. Um, to plug in like that. And then um, number five, I mean, number four, I would say is responding to your partner's love languages. Love languages are super, super important. And um, it's one of those key things that you need to know about your marriage, but you wouldn't know if you didn't hear about it or are exposed to it. But we have the five love languages, which are, you know, acts of service, physical touch, giving of gifts, quality time, you know, um, and I might be forgetting one more, but leave it in the comments. So uh, either way, so my wife, um, her her love language is, is acts of service. So if you're an acts of service person, right, you're coming home from the day, you've got some groceries, you ran some errands, and you come home and you see like all around your house all the things that have to get done and need to get done. And so when you're seeing these things, your emotional meter is getting depleted right? You're seeing these emotional meter things getting depleted. And so now you're thinking about all these things that you need to organize and do in order for you to feel peace. Well, okay. So if throughout my day, right, when I come home and I'm noticing stuff, I'm helping picking up and I'm cleaning up and, and, you know, I'm knocking out some dishes, I'm wiping down some countertops. I'm, I'm trying to make the space look good and tidy when, you know, and help out where I can. I know that because my partner's love language is acts of service. I know that when they get home, they're going to see, you know, less things that stress them out. They're going to be able to manage their emotions a little bit better and they're going to be more present for you. And the same way for me, I'm like physical touch so that I know that if my wife is not is withholding love or not, not physically being affectionate to me, right? My meter's getting depleted. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going, you know, in a negative direction and I'll, I'm more, I'm more moody. I'm more, um, I'm more needy. I'm more uh, angry. I'm more upset. I'm more, uh, just, just more touchy. And so, uh, it's like a maintenance thing for on both ends. So you have to look at, you know, giving your partner's love language, not giving your own love language. That's what we most often do, but we have to give our partner's love language, their love language as a maintenance thing to help them regulate their own emotions, but also be there present for us. So it's, it is really, really essential. And then Number five, the number one most important thing that I think couples need to do is, is letting go of being right, right? Um, Dr. Phil has an awesome quote. He says, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Really, really hard. So I think that, um, for example, if if your partner is telling you something and they're concerned about something, they're bringing up an issue and it's about you and they're delivering in all these bad negative ways and it's, it's not really landing for you and it's causing problems and you're getting upset, right? The best thing to actually do if you want to get somewhere with your partner is put down the sword, put down the shield, right? 
and listen. The most important thing you can do for your partner, right, is listening and validating. It's, it's by far the most important of these skills, these keys that I'm giving you. And so listening might look like um, capturing the feeling of what they're saying, summarizing what they're saying in your own words, right? And then if you do those two things well, you probably have enough information to capture the meaning. And the meaning is something I teach. It's probably one of the most advanced listening skills. It's very hard to wrap your head around and get um, if you've never been exposed to it. But it's basically, what would it mean to you if you were that person? And it really requires you to sit in that person's shoes and, and absorb what they're saying. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, because there's that three levels of communication, right? There's what they're saying, there's what they're feeling, and there's the meaning. And so uh, here's, here's an example um, of meaning, capturing different meanings. Like, I, I never said I stole the wallet. Okay, so what am I saying there? It means um, I, I wasn't the one that said that I stole the wallet. Somebody else said it. I never said that I stole the wallet. What am I saying there? I'm saying that probably somebody else probably uh, probably took it. I never said that I stole the wallet. What's that mean? Probably that uh, you borrowed it, or you 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 know it, it fell into your lap or something. You know, it's it's you're just saying you didn't steal it, but you probably did some others. I never said I stole the wallet. What's that saying? I might have stole something else. So there's four different meanings in that same sentence by the way that I'm inflecting my voice. And here's another example. Um, someone might tell you like, hey, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time today because uh, I got a flat tire on the way to my daughter's dance recital. And I, I told her, I promised her that I was going to be there. And um, it took me forever because my spare was also flat. I had to call a tow company and I missed the whole thing. And, um, and so out of that statement, right, we want to capture feeling and meaning. Okay, so the feeling might be like, wow, you're probably feeling so frustrated right now. Like, that seems really difficult. Um, you know, uh, so, you know. I bet you're feeling a little angry, a little defeated. Um, so that, so you're trying to capture the meaning from what the person's saying, and you're checking in, is that right? And yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, the, the big thing is you want to capture the meaning. So that might look like, um, man, that is that would be hard, you know, if that were me. Um, I think I'd be really, really upset because I feel like I let my daughter down and it was, it's really important to me, um, to, you know, keep my word. And I bet you're feeling like that, you know? Um, and so what I did is I put myself in that person's shoes and I said, well, if it were me, what would I be experiencing? What beliefs would I have about myself? Um, and what's important to me? That's how you capture meaning. And when you say that to another person, you're going to get this. If you do it the right way, you're going to get is that, and you check in, say, is that right? Do you, is that how you feel? Yes, yes, that's exactly how I feel. Boom. You've disarmed that person. Now they're willing to listen to you. And then the last step you want to make is you want to validate. Oh, my God.